Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. It's our 300th show and we look at what has changed in the six years and what might happen in the next six. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Chrysler could be the new manufacturer set to join the series in 2013. V8X journalist Bruce Newton received this revelation whilst discussing the manufacturer's plans at the Detroit Motor Show. Ralph Gillies, President and CEO of Chrysler Street and Racing Technology Division, made it clear that the considerations were still only in an early stage. VRX Magazine's website has reported that Clyde Campbell, the Managing Director of Chrysler Group Australia, confirmed the company is interested at a local level. He also said that there have been approaches from V8 Supercar teams and discussions with V8 Supercars itself. Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport is currently taking delivery of uh, Russell Ingalls, Paul Morris Motorsports, Super Cheap Autos, Triple Eight Commodore. Dumbrell is still to announce a driver for the team, but Taz Douglas is the favourite to take the drive, even though Andrew Thompson may be available as talks with Jonathan Webb's Techno Motorsport team have broken down. Thompson, the reigning development series champion, could be faced with another year in the second division as the number of seats available are really starting to run dry. Gary Rogers has announced that he'll be launching his team for 2012 on February 10th. That's a day before the official test day at Sandown. Details for the test day have been announced with Sandown's gates being thrown open to the public at 8.30am with the first cars on the track at 9 and the test to finish no later than 6pm. Entry is free with a number of teams having merchandise available and driver combinations all being on display with the new cars. Although Frosty Winterbottom is still consulting a surgeon this week to get clearance to be in his car at the test. Hopefully... Uh few weeks time i'll be able to walk around but um yeah it hasn't been the best start but sort of deal with the blows you get and try and make the most of it you can hear more from mark on this week's white flag lap v8 supercars have started laying off staff following a review by majority shareholder archer capital the highest profile departure is adam perry who is responsible for the technical and sporting aspects of v8 supercars and importantly the car of the future and finally, Good Charlotte will be heading to Clipsal on Sunday night. The American band are looking forward to headlining the event. Good Charlotte previously have experienced V8 supercars last year at Phillip Island with Kelly Racing. 
That's the news on the V8 Insiders. We speak with Neville Wilkinson and Peter Norton after the break. And don't forget, coming up on the White Flag Lap, it's Mark Frosty Winterbottom. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders this week on our 300th show, and it's fitting that we have two of the guests who were on our first show, in fact, our pilot show, Neville Wilkinson, the editor-in-chief and publisher of V8X Magazine. Welcome back to the show, Nev. G'day everybody, it's great to be, yeah, it's great to be back. And also, Neville, it is joined by Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. Pete, great to have you back. Oh, it's always great to be on and congratulations on the big 300, well done. It's interesting that uh, six years ago we were sitting around the microphone together kicking this show off and, uh, well, who'd have thought we'd be getting set for such a big year in 2013, uh, 2012 even. But what has been the biggest change, Nev, in the six years that we've been on air? In the sport? In the sport. I would say, to me, the biggest change is... Archer buying Vertuva cars. I'm actually selling this, you know. I never thought, I never ever thought that would happen. Peter, what about you? Well, it, to me, it's the uh, the evolution of the sport away from the traditional weekend at a racetrack uh, to the the huge event packages that we see. You know, it's the, the extended weekend at Adelaide where you've got racing, you've got the uh, restaurant precincts right next door, you've got the concerts. It's a whole almost a a, a holiday destination package, uh, and you know that, that's how it continues to evolve as we. Uh, you know, we brought in uh, Townsville and uh, you know, the, even the uh, Homebush race with the, the big concerts there. Um, we've come a long way from just a, uh, a Sunday race at a, an existing track. There's a lot more money involved now. Is the racing that much better, Peter? Um, I think, uh, yes, they've achieved a lot in achieving parity across the whole field. Uh, if you look at the, the closeness in qualifying, um, it really is one of the most uh, uh, closely contested uh, series in the world. Nev, I, I guess when we look at the way the cars are all battling it out, we see a lot more cars and a lot more reliability, and that is a feature of where we're at today in 2012. Oh, are you talking reliability? Yeah. Yeah, they're a bit more bulletproof. Bathurst is actually probably renowned for that. Because now it's turned into a bath. Bathurst is basically one long sprint race, flat out all day, as opposed to the old days, if I could say that, where you know the the main drivers would go there and 
and race, and then they put the they put the co-driver in there, and all he had to do was look after the car. Don't bust anything, don't break anything, don't wear it out. Give it back to me in good condition so I can go and finish this race. Now it's all about you better perform and you better race hard. Um, and then Nick Perkett showed he was racing hard at last, the last Bathurst because he nearly, well, he did kind of scrape the wall, but he nearly re- ruined um, which you know, a weekend which turned out to be a perfect weekend for them. But um, that's where, what I see, you know, the, the cars don't, you don't see engines letting go at Bathurst, and so you shouldn't see them letting go in normal rounds either. Mm. If we can look ahead six seasons' time, we'll be talking about 2018. What do you think will be the issues we're talking about in 2018, Nev? No idea. Would you have thought we were talking about the issues to today in um, in the sport? But then again, the more it changes, the more it stays the same. They'll still be talking about um, building the cars cheaper. They'll still be talking about trying to even the teams out. They'll still be talking about rule changes. They'll still be talking about driver pairings and swappings and all this kind of stuff. I don't see that changing. And that's always going to be that's always going to allow us, you know, give us reason to write things in, in the magazine. And Peter, of course, I guess we're going to be talking more and more about manufacturers because Ford and Holden have almost become a little bit of a non-event when we're talking about cars on the grid. We're, we're talking teams these days. Do you think in six years' time we'll be talking about the brands again? I think the, the brands will play a, a fairly small role in it. Um, and I think you already see that as a parallel in NASCAR where, yes, the branding is important, but it's really about the driver and the teams, and that provides the the real texture to the sport, is that you cheer for a particular driver or even a particular sponsor throughout the years, uh, and it's lost the focus, uh, to me, uh, on which manufacturer. Um, And I think also looking ahead... um, it, it, it already V8 Supercars has achieved so much holding together for the for the 10 years or so that it has. Um, there's not many categories that have had that long-term stability. So uh, I think that, uh, that the sport's reaching a bit of a turning point. Um, some may say that we've got a, a somewhat mature product. Um, what can they do to make sure it continues to grow in the next couple of years? Uh, sure, we've got the, the focus on international growth with uh, the race in the US and uh, continued push into the Middle East, but uh, as it's one of the challenges facing the Australian economy generally. As the Australian dollar gets uh, stronger, uh, our exports, including our motorsport export, uh, gets more expensive for our uh, foreign friends to buy. You know, some of these things, I think, will become more and more of a challenge for our sport into the future. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think... Um you know, growing the crowds at the rounds um, is a big challenge, you know. Um, it's kind of stagnated, sometimes going backwards at some of the crowd figures at some of these individual rounds. And I I want to see growth at these, at, at these rounds again. I want to see crowds going to the races, not just television ratings going up. I want to see crowds going to the track, and we need that. So does the sport. Sport needs that. Yeah, it's an interesting one, and uh, like we said Six years ago, we probably never thought that the teams would divest as much of their interest in the sport. Do we think in six years' time, Nev, that the ownership will be the same as it is now? Um, no. You could see the teams sell more. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the teams sell another 20%. Mm. Um, uh, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised if they held on to it. But I don't think they're going to own any more. 
um, or get any of it back. Um, but then I, I actually believe in the NASCAR way that you need one person at the top, you know, working out what the best thing for the sport without without the teams and drivers and they're getting mixed up in the whole thing and their own, you know, because let's face it, teams and drivers, drivers just want to go fast and they want to win races and they don't care you know, to a point what they do to do that, right? And team owners are going to do things for their teams. You know, we need someone to go and say, no, this is the best thing for the sport. And I'm sorry, but drivers and team owners don't have that. Mm, Peter? I think the uh, change in ownership that we can predict is uh, from Archer Capital. Uh, They've come in, they've made an investment. They uh, have good plans on improving the business. Uh, and that not that includes uh, growing the the market, uh, growing income, but it also means uh, uh, improving the, the bank for the buck in the expenses that they pay. Um, they'll do that for a while, and they'll have a, an exit plan uh, in their minds, and they'll fill it on to the, the next company, uh, Company X, who will also have plans on making it better still and improving the investment. Uh, I think in uh, six years' time, there could be a couple of different players uh, as that majority owner. Mm. Do we ever think the series will be owned by a media company, Peter? Um, why not? Um, the, I mean, the, the constitution of the, uh, the company say that uh, manufacturers of cars can't be uh, a big owner, a big player. Um, but, yeah, why not media? It could be anyone. Hmm. But the car company is not allowed to own a team. It doesn't mean the car company can't own the sport, but I don't think that's going to happen. Hmm. No. Uh, but I think... I think the way Australia is in the amount of people, our population isn't like America or even Europe, countries in Europe. So I see that the big players in Australia, when you talk about someone able to buy something worth so many hundreds of millions of dollars, right, are media companies, are maybe a mining magnate. Um, You know, some of the richest people in Australia are now uh, making it in mining. Um, There's... But, yeah... When you talk about someone who can really um, take advantage of owning this sport, it's a media company. Will that happen? Oh, there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of arguments about that before that ever happened. Mm. Well, ahead of the break, here's the sixty-four, probably million-dollar question. Peter, will Tony Cochran in six years' time still be the chairman of the board? Um, he's been a, a big part of the success in the stability. Uh, he's held people together when uh, their, their own individual self-interest would have pulled it all apart. Um, I would be surprised, though, if he's around in six years' time. Um, he's, uh, I'm, like anyone, he would be uh, treasuring more time away from work and uh, being able to relax and enjoy the, the fruits of his past labours. Um, you know, we have to allow him to uh, retire or ease back at some point. So I don't think he'll be there in six years. Well, out of all of us, Neville Wilkinson's got the best relationship and the closest relationship with the chairman of the board. <laughs> Nev, what insights do you have? Uh, I wouldn't. I would be surprised if he's still around. But upon saying that, for him to be around, I think he needs to change. Um, he can't be the Tony that we all know and love or hate. However, you want to. Some people, yeah. But it's it's. He has to change the way the way the, the way the business goes about things now is going to be different. And so that means Tony Cochran, um, with his entrepreneurial spirit, um, he's kind of have to he's going to have to change the way he does some things. Whether that fits into what Archer want to achieve or whatever, who knows? Um, 
but there is some challenges for Archer and there's some challenges for TC. Whether he's going to be around in six years' time, that's a big call to say that he's actually going to be around because the sport is going to change that much in that regards to the running of it. Mm. We have plenty more coming up after the break here on V8 Insiders, show number 300. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, show number 300, and I'm joined by guests from show number one. In fact, the pilot, so that's even before show number one. It's Neville Wilkinson and Peter Norton. And, guys, we've been just doing a little bit of navel-gazing. I'm wondering, what's been the biggest hit, Peter Norton, to you and the biggest miss of the series in the past six years? Uh this is a tough one. I've got a couple. Um, I think really the, the biggest hit uh, has to be the success in getting the, the parity formulas right. Um, we do have that consistency across the field. Sure, some teams are stronger than others, uh, but it's only in the, you know, the last couple of percent uh, where they've nailed it. Um, the you know, middle of the pack is still pretty close to the front. Um, I think that's my, my number one hit. Um, some of the misses... Um, some of the international expansion has not gone so well. If you look at China and Bahrain, um, but that's equal up there with some of the qualifying experiments that they've tried. Um, it just confused fans and it's yeah, been a bit of a fizzer and they move on to the next thing. Um, so, yeah, they've had a few failures along the way. Mm. Nev? I think the biggest hit is uh, the television deal with Seven. That was a watershed moment um, with the price and everything. No one expected that Vans Supercars could do that. Um, and it took them up several notches because of that. I think the biggest miss is their seeming lack of ability to be able to get the crowds growing in some of these rounds. I know I said it before and I'll say it again, and that's a very big thing of the sport, is to start getting the hardcore people back to the rounds. Mm. I remember one time, Nev, we were in the in the front room of the bus uh, of the V8 truck, and uh, that means we're in the, the makeshift boardroom, and Tony was adamant, we're not going to run races in front of no one. And then six months later, he had to uh, put a round on it, Phillip Island, in front of no one because of uh, the way things just panned out. And we, we have seen since then that they haven't been afraid to uh, have to black out the crowd, as it were. You know, that was an unfortunate circumstances for them. Um, just the way things panned out. Um, they've had to, you know, swallow their own pride there for a while. But the sport's got to, the sport's got to move on. It's got to grow. It's got to, it's got, it's got to. It's got to do what it's got to do. Um, to me, it's just all about getting the crowds, growing the crowds. Mm. Well, you, you know these things are easily fixed. Bring back Bar- Barry Oliver to announce at each media conference that the crowd's a record. <laughs> <laughs> but they was going through a growth phase, and then it stopped. They, they didn't kick on from that. They were going through a growth phase. But then right. then they, then something changed, and they stopped. They stop the growth to the point. I mean, they still say they grow. Like, if you've got 15 rounds and then you add a 16th round, you can say we grew. 
But statistically, when you talk at the individual rounds like Winton, like Phillip Island, like Queensland Raceway, um, even Sydney, Sydney's suffering, you know. The crowds, the crowds aren't growing. They're, they're, they're lucky to stay even. Hmm. And and that's the thing. This year they've changed the calendar again, and then next year the car of the future. I, I'm interested, Peter. Is this going to be as big a revolution as 1997 when Vert Supercars launched, or is it going to be around the blo- the project blueprint? Is it going to be one of these real slow burning processes? Well, to me, car of the future will be a big success if we don't notice. And, and by that I mean, you know, it's really about maintaining parity, maintaining close racing. Um, sure, the people who are really into the technical specifications of a racing car, they can get into that. But for the casual viewer that turns on the box on, a, on the weekend, um, they want to see close racing without any uh, you know, politics or uh, administration uh, cock-ups. Uh, and they want close racing where it's you know, tr- true door-to-door racing, uh, where it's not... Um, the result of a political process that someone's got some part homologated better than someone else. Um, you know, if technical stuff's in the background, then they've got a success. Mm. Nev? I actually agree with um, Peter on that one. It's going to be a success if we don't notice it. Um, I think their supercars are putting a, a success on the fact that they're going to get some more manufacturers in and get some more new or get more uh, get new blood into the sport which is money all that kind of stuff um i think that's the test of their supercars another manufacturer and that's going to see that's going to be the big difference from when they took over like you know another manufacturer the first time in the sport that's you know it's, it's, it's always been ford and hold at the moment so um that's probably to i think their supercars have put that is a test to them that they're going to get a third manufacturer in it. But I think more the real test is if it goes unnoticed, the cars aren't as expensive to build or easier and cheaper to rebuild after an accident. Mm, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the fans relate to these cars or if they even notice they that the cars are different. They won't any difference. Did you, you saw the cars in... in um, at uh, Sydney, they just look like the normal cars they're racing on the track today. If anybody goes, oh, they look like NASCARs and all change, no, they haven't. They don't even look any different. Mm. Well, Nev, the Austin race, that's 2013 as well. Is that going to take the supercars to another level or is it just going to be too far from home? Who would know? I don't... Right now, I don't think it's going to take them to another level. It's going to be interesting exercise to see um, how it goes, whether it gets a crowd there. Um, this isn't China, this isn't Bahrain, this isn't Abu Dhabi. This is this is America, who do have a love affair with motorsport. Um, will they go to the race in Austin? Who knows? I, I, I mean, if it's hugely popular, yeah, it probably could take them to a new level, you know. You could see, I oh, know there's been talk of... An, uh, an American series. I mean, it's all gossip and stuff, so who knows if that's going to happen. But, you know, who, I don't know. I don't know I that don't it's know. gossip. I think it's interesting that they're going to Texas or going to the US when, they, when we thought they would never, ever go to the US. Mm. I don't think it's gossip because I read those stories in VADX magazine and I know they're well-researched, so it can't be gossip. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a talk. I mean, if that can happen, who knows? Mm. But then again... Who knows how it's going to go? So I'm interested because, Neville, we worked together on on another show called Inside Motorsport, which Peter still works on now with me. And uh, 
back in those in those 95, 96, 97 days, you were actually a NASCAR reporter for us on the show and uh, it was interesting that at that time touring cars and what touring cars were was, was really struggling and a lot of your reports was talking about thousands of people flocking to the uh, Thunderdome and no one turning up when the touring cars were racing and it's amazing just how this has evolved and like peter said at the uh, earlier segment of the show it's interesting that they've now made it what almost 15 seasons i think this year will be season 15 where they have been the dominant force in australian motorsport well definitely and i see that um uh well img originally took over the management of the sport then then came sel and all that kind of stuff i think the sport needed that um and um, it still does. Uh, it needs to be run properly, and it, and, and um, I'm, well, some people argue with me that it still isn't run properly. But it, it's, it's. I think it needs to be run better. And and Peter hit the nail on the head. The sport's never been this big or this far um, in its in its in the past in Australia. The sport's never ever been here. This is this is like new ground to this. You know, it's like very supercars are trying to find their way because there's been no one else been this successful in motorsport in australia before them so how how what who they look who do they look to it's very hard so they they are the people that are forging the way for all other motorsport in in this country i mean i don't think anybody any other motorsport is going to be this popular because it's only australia and we just can't afford to have several different series as big as this but you know it's there's they're forging their own path Mm. Of course, when you went to that first race, it was under lights at Calder Park. Do you think back now and go, man, I can't believe they haven't done a night race again? Yeah, it's it's all different. Night races aren't cheap to put on. Different things come into play. Um, there's aspects to night racing that's, that are probably different now. And I'm talking... Uh, law OH&S, you know, occupational health and safety, making sure the fans can see where they're walking and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot different things. I mean, it's 2012. It's a lot different from 97. Mm. Peter, your thoughts? Um, I think it's been uh, uh, an issue about infrastructure. You know, it's lighting for the crowds and the walkway out to the car park, but it's also lighting on the track that is that is so good that the cars don't need to turn the headlights on. Because when they turn the headlights on, uh, all of a sudden it becomes uh, just a big blur on TV. And, uh, yeah, I think we still don't have that level of infrastructure at many places. Uh, At Abu Dhabi they do, and the cars absolutely sparkle under those lights. Um, So it can be fabulous, but, um, yeah, it's really only going to be in certain places they can make that magic work. Mm. Correct. And, of course, if you were Tony Cochran and in control of the world or like he used to be before Archer came along. Neville, what would be the one thing you would do to spice up the show? I would do double-file restarts like NASCAR, none of this taken off, you know, a couple of turns and then stringing it all out. Double-file restarts, right, on, on a, on, on a, after a safety car. And when a safety car does come out, close pit lane until everybody's behind the safety car and then open pit lane and you're going to have a lot more action. It also put emphasis on teams pitting under green instead of waiting to a yellow to pit. Mm. Peter, what about you? Uh, for me, the, the next thing that I'd like to see them try is uh, uh, push to pass with a, a limited number for the race. 
Uh, I think we all can uh, recall just how exciting the last three laps were at Bathurst. Can you imagine how that might have played out if uh, Craig Lowndes had one more push to pass and uh, Garth Tander had already used all of his? Um, you know, that's the extra level of drama that we could put into every race. Mm. Well, it is a pleasure to have you both on our show 300. I actually remember the day that Neville rang me up and said, I'm going to start V8X magazine, and I bet you he can't remember the day I rang up and said, I'm going to start V8 Insiders because, uh, well, they're not quite the same thing. But V8X magazine is on sale now, and I know that you're working hard to get out the season preview for 2012, Nev. Definitely. Uh, we're going to print it in the next week or so. Um, it'll be out just before Cliffsall. Fantastic. Peter, always a pleasure to catch up with you and look forward to speaking to you both right throughout season 2012. Sounds good, Craig. I'll, I'll pencil in uh, ready for show 600. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> On the way for Lag Lab, Mark Winterbottom talks about going water skiing and breaking his leg on the V8 Insiders. I hope you stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, Frosty Winterbottom, when you start a, a new year and uh, on the theatre or on television, they always say break a leg. It's not such a good thing when you're in sports and uh, trying to keep yourself at tip-top physical condition. No, not ideal, but um, I guess I did it uh, in 2011, thankfully. So it was on the 30th that I did it, so I'm counting my bad luck to be last year and starting a bit better this year, but um, it hasn't been good. I broke broke uh, my left ankle water skiing, so uh, I've currently got two screws in there and... Um, and, yeah, just starting to get back into it. So hopefully uh, a few weeks' time I'll be able to walk around. But, um, yeah, it hasn't been the best start. But you sort of deal with the blows you get and try and make the most of it. And, um, yeah, still trained and still watched a lot of videos. So um, hopefully, yeah, different preparation, but hopefully it's still okay. Now I've got to double-check this because a lot of your colleagues have broken their leg, ankles, foot in the last couple of years. And it's normally been around something to do with uh, kids' playgrounds and school playground equipment. This breaking a leg water skiing, that's pretty manly sort of stuff. What's going on? Yeah, it's, uh, it's um, yeah, good good fun. I always go up um, and get away, and um, that's sort of our, our family time away from the racetrack. So we go water skiing. We've got a, a nice Malibu boat that we take up and, you know, really enjoy it. So the worst thing about falling off is obviously having a broken ankle, but missing out on on all the good skiing over christmas so um we're actually going up again and i'll i'll be the driver of the boat and um everyone else will ski so that's that's sort of hard watching them but um yeah it's what we do we we always um get away and yeah just a bit unlucky to fall off and do the damage i did but um yeah we'll keep going up and make sure that ride a little bit safer next time we get behind the boat but that's a bit bit far away so i'm designated driver for the next couple of trips and um yeah, but it's good fun. We like to get away and enjoy it as a family. And unfortunately, one out of the last few years got it wrong and, um, yeah, paying the price now. No truth in the rumour that you just wanted to get out of this year's Orcon boot camp? 
Oh, I've actually have been training for it. So, um, um, yeah, I was disappointed when when I did it because I actually was uh, yeah in pretty good shape. But um, it is hard work the boot camp, so I'm not too worried about missing that. I've actually been training in Melbourne with the Essendon Footy Club, and they've been doing their rehab program and putting me through the ropes. So I can tell you the you know running and when you train when you've got two legs, it seems tough, but throw them away and then sit on a grinder, a seated grinder where you've got to use your arms for 20 minutes and then do um, exercises cardio-wise with your arms and then try and walk home on crutches. It's I'd prefer to pound two legs. It's pretty tough. Mm. Of course, this is an interesting one, your relationship with the Essendon Footy Club. How did that come about? Uh, well, my trainer is um, the strength and conditioning coach for the, for the club and, um, you know, they see injuries all the time with, with ankles. Obviously, footy's a massively... Uh, important that the guys have got to run so they've had a lot of experience and um you know the, the footy club's been great they've they've allowed me to go down there and use their facilities and um you know all their their staff that are, are well trained in this field as well so um yeah i've been really lucky i live close so it all sort of works together but um yeah it's been great the footy club's really opened their doors and and um given me access to everything and that's definitely going to help the recovery, which, you know, March is coming around pretty quick. So um, I'm lucky I've got people, you know, helping who know what they're talking about. Mm. Now, you're a New South Wales boy. Is this going to mean you're leaning more towards Essendon in the AFL? Um, it's a bit touchy because Geelong's obviously a forward team. So um, hopefully they make the finals, um, you know, play each other and then I can sort of go for both. But, um, yeah, it's definitely helping you. Yeah, understand the club and how it works, and um, yeah, yeah, you are uh, definitely going to support them. So um, yeah, it's been good. But I guess you know we've lived in Melbourne for a while now. So if you don't follow AFL, you you um, almost become a, a strange person. So um, yeah, I've followed it for the last few years anyway, and always liked the team. But now that you get up there, you sort of appreciate what they do a bit more and. Yeah, go for them probably uh, more than not. Mm. Now, of course, on the serious side, you're coming into this season as one of the red-hot favourites for the year. Over the past few years, they've always said FPR's a big chance, but this year, everyone seems to be putting your name with Jamie Jamie Winkup to uh, battle it head-for-head for the title. Does that give you any extra pressure or does it change your mindset at all as you start off this year? Um, not really. I think every year we've gone into the year thinking we can win it, but there's always been little things that have popped up. And um, I guess, you know, last year the soft tyre was definitely the thing that made our team struggle. And, um, you know, we only got on top of it just after Bathurst at the Gold Coast race. So we go into this year without any any changes or anything that's, you know, that can potentially hurt us. So um, on paper, we definitely look like yeah, you know, we've got a good chance and I'm confident we finished the year off strong and you know Adelaide I've got a car that I finished Homebush with pretty well a very similar setup with a few little mods but um, same engineer same crew same guy working on my car so it's the first time really we've had all those things line up so um, yeah we look we look good on paper and you know we're confident obviously going into the year but I think to win it we're going to need to get a good start and make you know, make Jamie fight for it, not give him the lead, which he's, um, you know, very hard to do. He comes out of Adelaide always with good results. So put pressure on him and make him chase because he, he needs to drive 
um, chasing points, not defending. Because when he defends, he you know he goes for broke, goes for the win, and and builds on confidence off that. So that's sort of the game plan to to um, to start strong and put pressure on him. But easier said than done. But that's um, that's what we've got to do. Well, Frosty, it's a pleasure to catch up with you. We uh, look forward to hearing how the recuperation goes. I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, with Paul Dumbrell not at the boot camp this year, is it going to make it any easier to get a victory over the uh, course of the few days there? Well, he um, he didn't turn up last year, so he actually had hip surgery last year, so um, he sat it out. But, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely fit. So last year, trained really hard, made sure we're running fit. So when he did turn up, we'd give him a a good run but um, he didn't turn up so it made it a bit easier but yeah he's not there this year but I think the other boys have been training pretty hard as well so um, I'm just going to stay in Melbourne and, and train with the rehab guys here and hopefully uh, you know that that's enough that's definitely working hard enough and let those guys do the training camp and come back hot and bothered and um, yeah hopefully I'm nice and relaxed ready to go mm-hmm. Well Frosty uh, we look forward to seeing you over there in Adelaide and thanks for your time this afternoon Thanks, My thanks to Frosty there, also to Neville Wilkinson and Peter Norton. It's the Checker Flag Waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.